The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Another session here at the Kick Pie Dojo. I am your host slash sensei, TJ Williams, giving you the insider of my martial arts journey, highlighting and discussing martial arts-based subjects, and as always, highlighting martial arts past, present, and future. All right, so today I got a guest coming from um, Los Angeles, California. Uh, she's also a martial artist as well as an author of four books. Three of them are um, um, series. Um, entitled uh, Ninja Daughter, Ninja Blade, and as well as Ninja Portrayal. And also she's got a new book coming out in May of 2022. Uh, what's that book called, um, um, Tori? Dance Among the Flames. Dance Among the Flames. Ah, that's, I, I feel like I already, um, yeah, I already got the first book. I mean, I didn't, I started reading the first book. Um, I only got like through eight chapters. So it seems like it's interesting. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Alright, so okay, let's... Well, it starts off with a lot of action, right? Yeah, it just gets off kicking. <laughs> Alright, so well, everybody, uh, int- introducing to you, um, Tori Eldridge. Uh, okay, so thank you for joining me today. So, how's everything in California? Oh man, it's a gorgeous day. You know what do you expect? Yeah, <laughs> we we're supposed to have rain. I think we got two drops, and then now sun. So, you know, pretty much same old, same old. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like this in Niagara Falls. I mean, it's pretty cold now since um, it's getting um, close to winter. I mean, it's already fall. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, at least you don't have to worry about raking leaves over in California. I don't think the leaves fall over there, do they? <laughs> No, no. Actually, around this time, we start to get tumbleweeds Uh-oh. because all the bushes dry up and then they break from their roots and then they're rolling down the trails. So that that's the hazard here because they're real pokey. Yeah, I can practice my boat jitsu. Yeah, I see one coming and flack, you know, get out of the trail. <laughs> I always hike. I always hike with a bow. <laughs> I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely a bow stab. That's a that's my type of weapon. Yeah. Oh, find them anywhere right yeah you know, so it's real handy and nobody can accuse you of being armed it's terrific you know and <laughs> i hike a lot in the hills all by myself and so you know i i need uh, i need something to help me with those two and four-legged uh critters oh you know, boy they, they get a little ornery i want to make sure i've got something something in my possession to you know yeah. keep things keep things uh you know copacetic yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, so usually for this show, when I have guests on, I like to, um, my guests to bring my listeners back in time with um, how you got to where you are today. So the first question I ask, um, before martial arts ever enter your life, um, how would you describe yourself? Would you, you say athletic, um, ath- academic, both, or how would you explain yourself? Oh, goodness, I was always athletic. You know, I was interested in the martial arts when I was a kid, but I discovered dance when I was, what, 12? And, uh, you know, all the time, every every PE class, after any class, we'd get a call from the coach. Does Tori want to join the swim team? Tori want to join the soccer team? Tori want to join the diving team? And my mother would say, sure, but you have to stop dance. You know, you have to choose. And I didn't want to because I had my, my sights set for Broadway. And, um, you know, so when I was 19, I think I did my first Broadway show. So I went from Honolulu to New York. And so I was a professional dancer for a while on, uh, you know, stage. And then I moved out to Los Angeles at television and film, uh, acting and singing and stuff. And and I got to tell you, you know, the body uh, dance is is really extreme on the body. Um, And it, it can only take so much. So when you're operating at a professional level to do dance and martial arts is like, Oh, my gosh. So I didn't start martial arts until later in life when I thought I had retired from dance. Yeah. All right. So that kind of brings me to the next question. Like that, what was that was that one event that kind of um, pushed you to start martial arts? 
would be when my fifth, my five-year-old son started taking karate. Okay. Uh, Tong Sido, and I was sitting on the bench. I was one of those moms sitting on the bench. And I thought I had retired from dance because I had, you know, quite a lot of injuries at this point. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was still staying in shape and stuff, but I'm sitting on the bench and I'm watching him in class. And, and this goes on for a couple months and I can't stand it. I'm like, oh my God, I got, I got to try this. This is insane. So um, I, I signed up. You know, and I, I took a class, and it, it was like one of those small classes where you have maybe, I don't know, a dozen people from, you know, me as a white belt to, you know, first degree red, that kind of a thing. And, um, you know, so the teacher, he, he knew a bit about me, and he was like, you know the first form, don't you? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, can you perform that solo? And I went, sure. And he goes, you know the second form, too, don't you? I'm like. Yeah, he goes, can you perform that solo? I'm like, okay. And then it became, what can this crazy woman do? So in the course of one class, I mean, we did fighting combination passes. We did every kick, including jump spinning heel kicks on targets. We did double round kicks to his head, and he was 6'2". And then they 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 put, like, you know, pads and stuff on me and said, Okay, now we're going to spar. Now, keep in mind, I'm a, this is my first day. I don't even have a white belt, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is my first day on the mat. So now I'm sparring, and I'm told I'm not allowed to hit anybody in the head because I have no control, obviously. But other people who do have control are allowed to hit me in the head because I have a helmet on. Oh. And I'm like, okay, sure, that sounds fair. So, so now I'm sparring, right? And I think at this point, this one guy, he was a green belt, and I think he kind of felt like, you know, we, we need to, you know, we need to get real here, right? So he put some pressure on me, like some serious pressure. I got to tell you, TJ, I felt like I was drowning. Oh, I was just like, oh, I was getting hit every which way, and I was just like, whoa. And, and so I'm just sitting there like hanging in, and he finally stops, and he looks at me, and he goes, you okay? And I'm like, yeah, oh. and I was hooked. That was it. I was hooked. Yeah, yeah. yeah you that was my entry. That was day one, my first day of karate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That was like my next question. Like, I have described your first lesson. So pretty much, that was that was amazing, <laughs> amazing story. Uh, so it was insane. <laughs> okay, so after having your first class, what was your mindset after that? So were you going to go like say I want more of this and I want to get to my black belt or? What was, like, your next move after that? Well, I just knew I was hooked. You know, I'm in a, I, you know, I, I dive in, you know, um, everything that I've ever done, you know. Um, I got there by immersing myself, completely immersing myself in whatever the thing was. And so I knew. I knew I had, I had gotten hooked. And, and so I wasn't even really thinking, oh, I'm going to do this until I get my black belt. I mean, I was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, you know? So I was just like totally in it. And then I ended up switching to a, a bigger school that had more teachers. And so I had a lot more influence and, you know, Bobby Burbage was uh, one of my teachers. So I used to do private lessons with him and boxing on the side. I had Brett Gold and we used to do like private lessons on, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I had, you know, uh, this this uh, young guy who, who was like a fourth degree black belt and, and because yeah, I started teaching really early. After a year and a half, I started teaching. We used to train and do kickboxing, you know, because we didn't have to pull the kicks. You know, so we don't do crazy things. I mean, you know, even started, yeah. you know, doing morning training with, uh, you know, Pat Johnson and stuff. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. So I was like, I was so into it. I was so into it. But you know, it's a funny thing because I got to a certain point where I had to wait to to go from first degree red to black because um, uh, the head of the federation wouldn't wouldn't see me until I was you know three years in, and by that time I was already teaching. So um, at that point, I discovered Toshindo Ninjutsu. And um, my teacher had two schools and was thinking of switching one into that. And so I said, well, hey, how about I give it a shot? And I let you know how it is from a student point of view. So I started training in two arts at the same time and ended up getting black belts in both within a month of each other. 
So Ooh. it was it was really interesting. Awesome. Yeah. So before I get, yeah, I was so into it. So before I get into st- your style of ninjutsu, I know you mentioned Pat Johnson because I know my oh, yeah. yeah my instructor talks about him every time. I hear stories, and of course you know Pat Johnson is where I'm from, right? Yeah, yeah, he's from Niagara Falls. I mean that's amazing. Oh. Yeah. I, you know I didn't know that yeah. all this time. I didn't know he's from Niagara Falls. Yeah. Figure. I didn't know that because I. Well, I knew it um, because of my my instructor. He talks about him every time how he's how scary he was. I mean, he's probably that strict. Oh. He was that strict instructor, like he says, no fun. Yeah, he just could be. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I want to at least be that one person to meet him one day. You know, I, I know a lot of people. I'm friends with one of his relatives, so definitely he's the one that kind of got me started with doing podcasting. So eventually, it's going to be oh, a time awesome. where I meet meet Pat Johnson. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we have a lot of friends in common. Oh, you yeah. Know? I'm, I'm, I'm sure we do. <laughs> you probably uh, know Roger Lacombe as well. And mm-hmm, yep. Maybe Brad Halstead and some of the some of the old crew, yeah. Yeah. I, okay, let's get in that style ninjutsu. So does, does this have a similar um, thing to a Japanese? Um, you know how they say, like, it's an assassin thing? Or is it just different, just teach you, like, the same basics that... um. Regular martial arts teachers like good values, good respect. I mean, etc., etc. <laughs> oh, uh, it, it definitely has that. I mean, the ninja arts has a whole esoteric um, aspect of it that's drawn from Tendai Buddhism from way back where. So it is, it is way more oriented into um, you know mind, science, spiritual, you know, em- emotional integration than any other art that I've ever I've ever trained in. But the the ninja arts um, came from nine different lineages passed down through families over the course of centuries to one grandmaster, Takamatsu Sensei, who then passed it to Hatsumi Sensei. Um, the art that I, I have a fifth degree black belt in Toshindo, which is the modern evolution of the ninja arts, mm. uh, founded by Stephen K. Hayes and his wife, Rumiko Hayes. And so back in, what, the 70s, Stephen was also, he started out in Tongsudo, and uh, he had gone to Japan to search for the ninja and found Hatsumi Sensei teaching a, a very small group, I mean, very small group, and begged his way in there. And, um, you know, after after some time, he was sent back to the West with instructions, you know, share this. And he shared it in a very big way, and it gained a lot of attention. And people went to him, people went to Japan, people went to Hatsumi, the whole thing blew. And I would say there, I, I can't even imagine how many thousands of practitioners there are of, you know, the ninja arts in one lineage, another, combinations of it, with the Bujinkan, with Steven, with all sorts of things. So many practitioners all over the world. But it's a very comprehensive um, art. It has a very distinctive, natural form of movement, and it makes use of all kinds of weapons, both archaic and, um, uh, I'd like to say, environmental. Uh, So, yeah, it's... uh, it's it's pretty cool art. Yeah, when I, when you talk about that, I kind of think of uh, my um style of the Chuck Norris system. Of course, I mean we're just going over through these um certain things that would work in like um a black belt test. I mean it's it's been crazy trying to actually produce a black belt test because all these things are being modified. But you know I love definitely training. It's like I'm trying to come up with every way to get out of a situation, like any self defense situation. Yeah. Yeah, you know, well, for those of us who stay with it long enough, this is how you start to think, right? You walk into a room and you think, how would I get out of it? (laughs) You see some shady characters and it's like, what would I do if they, you know, you start becoming aware of things around you, you know, so that's, I think that's an an important thing. And when I started uh, writing the Lily Wong uh, thriller series, that was something that I wanted to bring. I wanted to bust through, right, the sensationalized ninja assassin mythology, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and give, you know, give readers a more authentic sense of what it means to be a modern-day ninja now, in, in, you know, in this day and age, what does that look like? What could that look like? And so, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. Uh, yeah, definitely. Oh, well, I'm going to definitely finish reading it. I mean, I'm on chapter eight right now. So, I mean, definitely. Have I'm, fun. 
Yeah, I'm definitely getting like a almost like a movie in my head every time I'm reading the um, chapters to see what's going to happen. Oh I'm, oh, I'm so glad to hear you say that. Um, I I guess I, I'm a pretty cinematic writer. Uh, I actually started writing uh, screenplays. That's how I, you know, I made the shift, you know, because there I was an actor, singer, dancer for a while. And then uh, I had kids and um, they were young and my husband started producing and we got a lot of screenplays that came in, and I had always been a, you know, a pretty strong writer, and so I, I started writing in screenplays, and then just gradually shifted to, uh, to fiction. I took a big, huge break from writing for like thirteen years during my complete obsession with the martial arts, and then I got back into it. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> So you so you told me you got two different black belts from two styles. So can you um describe like any like any of the style describe your first black belt test? Uh let's see here. What 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 came first? I guess uh I guess the first test was with uh, the Tong Sudo. Um and it, you know it was an interesting thing. It came so after the after after the fact. It was kind of like reaching you know, reaching the top of the mountain and then hanging out for a year and a half and just kind of, and then somebody said, oh, you can plant the flag. Oh, yeah, great. So you plant the flag, you know. So it was it was very bizarre because because of the timing, it didn't feel like what I had always anticipated that moment to feel like. And in fact, because I was a little bit older, um, some of my um, flexibility and, and strength, I mean, I could just feel it. It, it had crested and was starting to decline some of that, you know, with age. Because Tong Sudo is a rough, is a rough art for age. Um, the ninja arts is much easier because the ninja arts, the better you get, the less you do the more disguised anything that you do is and the more effect you have. So the idea is to cause the greatest effect for the least effort and have nobody around you know that you did anything at all. So it's a very a good art for if you've mastered it early enough to age with. Yeah, But with uh, Tom Sudo, you know, there's that, that cresting point, uh, kind of like being a professional dancer. There's there's going to be that cresting point where, you know what, you're just not kicking as high. <laughs> you know, sorry. Uh, you're not jumping quite as high. Oh, well. Uh, and things like that happen. So that that test uh, was, it was, yeah, I, I got through it, you know. It, it was, you know, I, I went through it, put it behind me, moved on. Uh, a month later, the test for the Toshindo felt like, uh, a real achievement. That was something where I really felt like I was put through through my paces. But it, the timing was different because I was still climbing, yeah. And so I had to rise to the occasion. And so it was it was you know exciting and felt like an enormous accomplishment. Yeah, because definitely I know every black belt test has to deal with endurance. You know, but my first black belt test, which is like like last week. It was like 17 years since I did the black belt first first degree. It's like like the day before I did a football game, and I was hoping not to get hurt. Lucky I didn't. So definitely, yeah. when I, definitely that was like the best moment going into that black belt test. And of course, uh, two things happened. Like, I mean, I ripped my pants open, and then of course after the test, <laughs> after, after the test, I got the biggest cramp in the world after getting out the car. And I was oh, like, no. yeah, I mean, I should have stretched. Oh, no took a test it was it was never I never expected everything to go perfectly I always knew something was going to go wrong so the only question was how was I going to deal with it and and I have to admit that when I used to perform it was sort of the same things I mean I've done performances where you know I've gotten my foot caught and completely you know in pants talk about ripping got my foot caught in pants ripped it fell and fortunately it was a comedic thing so I got up played it off and everybody laughed and they thought it was like part of the choreography and I was like yay <laughs> but I mean you know I've had like crazy things you know people throw you do backflips and you wipe out and it's like oh well moving along so you know with black belt tests you know, there's always something. There's always something that goes a little haywire. Just a question of how you're going to deal with it, how you're going to move on. Yeah, luckily it ain't professional wrestling because definitely that's why I do like on the side of other than martial arts. Oh, my. I mean, oh yeah. Oh goodness. I mean, 
I mean, I'm, I'm careful about it. I mean, it comes naturally because I got that martial arts background. I mean, everything that's yeah. done in professional wrestling, it's like, it's, I can do this. I mean, but yeah, I don't plan on going to the majors. It must take a toll. Yeah. It must take a toll on your body, though. Yeah, I don't plan on going to the majors. So, really, I'm sticking to independent wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> yeah. All right, so have you competed in any tournaments or conventions? If, like say you you are highly in you highly um committed to Christ, so do you compete? That that is so far in my rearview mirror. Um, when I when I was actively training in Tongsudo, yeah, I used to compete a lot. Um, I, I was great at farms, which you can imagine because of the dance background. But I used to do all of my private lessons in fighting. Uh, because I knew right from that first class, that very first day in martial arts, I knew, oh, well, clearly the the forms and the kicks and all that kind of stuff is going to come easier. What I'm going to need to really focus on is fighting, right? Because that was the thing that was foreign. From that moment that green belt came at me and I was drowning and trying to, I knew this is where I have to focus. So, um you know, I trained real hard, did a lot of private lessons, but the majority of my private lessons was with sparring, you know. And that was one of the things that, you know, I always worked on with Bill, you know, uh, Bobby Burbage because, you know, he was great with that. Um, and so, you know, so when I was competing, I did that. I did that as well. Once I, I transitioned over to uh, the ninja arts for a while, I was teaching Tong Sudo and I was continuing to train in uh, Toshindo, this was after the black belts, but it became clear that I needed to choose, and so I, I dropped one and continued on with the ninja arts. And it's not an art where you can compete; uh, it's it's not that kind of a thing. So then I just I didn't anymore. Yeah, I'm a fan of sparring, so you know I know I competed um in some tournaments in sparring. You know I end up losing. You know at some points I end up getting knocked out, but you know. Not totally knocked out, but you know, knocked down. But you know, definitely form, oh, yeah. forms are like my favorite in competing. It's like this year I did just um katas. I did um traditional and then weapons. The first time I did um usually I would compete with spo staff, but you know I started to, yeah, yeah. I just started to do a different weapon, uh, the tafas. Because no, I haven't seen anybody yeah. compete with tafas, so I say uh-huh. I want to try to compete with that. And you know, I didn't get first place, but you know, I did place. I got third place. Because there was only like oh, two, yeah, it's only like two people in my division. I mean, it would have been right. one because um, other guy broke his bow staff, and then we kind of another guy kind of shared his um bow staff with him so he can compete. So, you know, so when he yeah. broke the bow staff, did he turn it into an escrima? <laughs> well, actually, yeah, well, actually, I think he. It's like cool. Now I have two sticks. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just change up my form. <laughs> yeah, you know, I um. If you compete long enough, and especially if you spar long enough, you're always going to lose. Um, it's inevitable. You're not going. Nobody's going to win all the time. There's no way. Um, when you talk about getting knocked out, oh man. Uh, so when I was doing that, I had that partner uh, that we were. You know, I I was just you know first degree red. He was a fourth degree black, and we used to we used to train. And he was like half my age. It felt like, and and oh man, I remember one. He did this spinning heel kick, clocked me in the head. And of course, we weren't wearing helmets. I, it's a private it's a private training thing. We're not wearing helmets. I I went flying. Boy, I saw stars. I thought, oh my god. You know, he watched me hit the floor. He's like, uh oh. I'm like, no, it's cool, dude. But I think that the the craziest thing that ever happened getting hit was uh, in a class, and there was a visiting fifth-degree black belt guy, right? So he didn't know me from Adam, and I was very aggressive. And, uh, and, and I was the kind of person where, you know, you're going up and down with fighting combinations, right? And so, you know, somebody would attack, and, and you were able to defend and counter, and then you'd go back the other way, right? Back and forth, back and <laughs> forth. So he's, he's being a gentleman. Right. And, you know, and he's he's a fifth degree black belt. So he's being calm. He's, he's being very courteous. And of course, I'm like, yeah, let, let's let's do this thing. Right. And so I'm just like countering it, this and that. And he's like, hmm, the next round, he puts it on a little more. Oh. And I'm like, cool. And, I, you know, so it just he starts to get a little miffed. And it's like, all right, you know, right. Yeah. So so he comes at me and he does this awesome thing where he fakes a jab into a spin heel kick, right? Now, no, spin back kick. 
fakes a jab into a spin back kick, and he was going to pull the kick because what? He has control, and he's a fifth-degree black belt. But me, first-degree red belt, and full of spit and fire, I decide to take that moment and do a technique that who? Pat Johnson taught me to do, which was as soon as the guy flinches, I'm going to dive in with a countering cross right to the solar plexus. So as soon as I saw that that fake, you know, that, that jab come out, I slipped that and I just stepped right in to boom, cross right into the solar plexus. And I walked in to a spinning back kick right to my sternum. Ooh. Hit me, sent me flying six feet into a mirror. <laughs> I mean, I went flying, man. And this guy was mortified. And my teacher was pissed because, of course, you know, he thought this guy was to blame, which he wasn't. But I'm sitting there. I can't breathe. I'm pulling off my helmet. I'm pulling off my pads. I've got my hand on my sternum because I'm convinced if I let go, bones are going to move and, and things are just going to fall yeah. off of me. That's, I couldn't breathe. And so, uh, and this guy looks like he's just, he's swearing at himself, walking in circles going, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Um, you know, he knew that, that he shouldn't be turning up the steam, right? So when I can finally breathe, the first words out of my mouth, I look at this guy and I go, you have to teach me what you just did. (laughs) (laughs) And we became friends ever since. And we started training every Saturday morning, uh, you know, like in his private dojo. (laughs) It was nuts. It was nuts. But when I train in the ninja arts, I mean, it's not a competition and you don't, we fight, um, we, we do Rondori style where we're fighting, uh, you know, freestyle basically, but, but you can't compete with it because a lot of the techniques are designed to cause serious harm, you know? (laughs) And so you have to be, you have to be very mindful of, of how, you do things, but the whole objective, at least um, with the way Stephen K. Hayes has, has got it um, situated for being a modern day application, is to be useful in combat in an urban situation. I mean, that's that's the whole point of it. So everything is about how will what we do be applicable in the street, you know, yeah. so... So very different, two, two very different things. But I enjoyed them both, you know. And Lily Wong does them both, you know. I, yeah. Even with her, I even threw in wushu because, you know, you know wushu martial arts? Yeah. You know, Chinese wushu, yeah. Competitive, yeah. super cool, like kung fu. Yeah. Um, my son did that in UCLA. Yeah. And so I got to train with his sifu. And so uh, I did some uh, spear because, you know, spear and all the long weapons that was my specialty so uh, yeah. that was fun yeah so so since you're talking about your book of course uh of course yeah you're talking about wushu i just i watched uh, like a lot of competitions when i um would compete you know i would sit there and watch them do um wushu which is you know i watch a lot of like that um what was that um what was that movie like um what's uh, i'm trying to think i just oh, talked about tiger Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Oh, not that one. It was like... Oh, not that old. (laughs) You mean a new movie. (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Ip Man. That's it. Ip Man. Yeah. Oh, Ip Man rocks, man. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, I'm just looking at everything he did. Like that scene he did with the the Japanese um, um, karate people in that end scene. It's like, whew, he got so angry. Mm. Ah! Yeah. I know. Yeah, Wusha's gorgeous, man. It's so fun to watch, and oh, it, it it's it's really it's really beautiful. If if I had taken up martial arts um, when I was younger, I probably would have gone into to Wushu. I mean, if I had really thought about it and said, "Oh, I want to start the martial arts," what would what most interests me, you know, rather than just following my five-year-old child into a karate lesson, I probably would have chosen something like wushu because of my dance background. 
Yeah. It's so expansive, the deep stances, the high jumps, spinning this, that. It's so beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah, I kind of miss tricking because I used to do that a lot. Because you know, a friend of my um, who's actually got his master's um this um past year, I mean, he used to go down to like a gymnastics place to have open gymnastics. You know, I would try to do backflips and um, beat twists and all that. I mean, I was pretty amazing. I was like really looking good with that, and I actually competed doing the open form. I mean, that's probably the only time I did it, but you know, it was an amazing experience. You know, I'm kind of retired from that, but it's always good yeah. to do backflips. I always wanted to do backflips. Oh, man, tumbling is such a great background for martial arts. I did, uh, I was on a gymnastics team when I was, uh, uh, it was before I discovered dance. So, you know, I guess fifth, sixth, seventh grade, you know, that, that kind of a thing. I mean, I never got, you know, super high, you know, uh, it was never, you know, I was on a gymnastics team, but, you know, pretty, pretty low level. Um, but still, that tumbling, you know, being able to do aerials and being able to do, you know, hamstrings or whatever, um, that that really helped when I got into to martial arts. It really did. And like, you know, um, like leaping scissor kick takedowns, mm. you know, when, uh, when you've gone through tumbling and when you've gone through dance and being a woman, you get in dance, you get thrown into the air and there are lifts. And, you know, so you're used to that kind of a thing. So then when there are those fun tricks, right, you were talking about, you know, competing, right, where, you know, you leap up and you get your, you know, your scissors around their neck and you spin them around, you're flipping around, you know, stuff like that. I was totally into it. I was totally into it. And then when I got into the ninja arts, we do a lot of throws. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, so throwing people and getting thrown. And because I'm a little woman and a lot of my friends... You know, they would say hello by, you know, ha, 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 let's just toss Tori in the air, um, you know, or, or pretend to throw her. Well, I started getting very good at defending myself in the air. So as, uh, you know, I got pretty, you know, as I got up the ranks, uh, when some of my, you know, high-ranking friends would, like, say hello or something like that, I'd turn it around and, you know, boom, 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 boom. And it was like, just reminding you who you're, who you're lifting in the air, my dear. You know, <laughs> just, just want to, just want to make that clear, you know? <laughs> so it's, so it's fun. It's like when I, when I write some of the fights that, that Lily does, you know, a lot of it is ninja stuff. Some of it is wushu stuff. She also does parkour. She has some American kickboxing, uh, which of course is also in my background, but, um, some of, I've, I've had a lot of fun with certain scenes. Like I remember one scene, I, I can't remember which book it was in. I think the second book, the ninja's blade, where this monster of a guy like picks her up in the air and she ends up fighting him from the air, you know? <laughs> and that was, that was a real fun thing to write. Cause that's like, you know, not something you see all the time. Yeah. So now we're getting this book. So definitely, of course you, I don't know if you some um, describe like a, uh, give you a small description of like what the book is about i i know it, you have it's oh, it focuses yeah. more of um abused women or um yeah it's protecting abused women pretty much yeah 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 um so um the the series um well uh, you know the the new book is called the ninja betrayed and it's the third book in the lily wong mystery thriller series which is about a Chinese Norwegian modern day ninja in Los Angeles. <laughs> Why? Because I happen to be a Chinese Norwegian modern day ninja <laughs> in Los Angeles. No. <laughs> well, no, I actually am. Um, but Lily isn't me, and I'm not Lily. But it was part of something I also wanted to bring to the series was my mixed heritage, because we don't see that enough. We don't see that enough in literature and and books and and things. You know, I, I want. I want uh, more of that diversity out there, and I really want that celebration of, of you know, multiculturalness. So I wanted to share that. So she's a Chinese Norwegian modern day ninja, and the series is equal parts action thriller, intriguing mystery, and complex family dynamics. Why? Because Lily Wong is twenty five years old, and. Um, you know, she's, she's learning to find her way as an adult. 
with her Hong Kong immigrant mother, who is a high-powered executive for her grandfather's international finance company, and her North Dakota Norwegian father, who happens to be an authentic Hong Kong cuisine chef, above <laughs> whose restaurant Lily lives. Yeah. So it's an interesting situation, and she's 25, and when she was first here in college, her younger sister was raped and murdered. Yeah. And this totally turned Lily's life upside down. She dropped out from college. She stopped competing in Wushu and dedicated all of her attention to the ninja arts that she had been learning, but with a very serious objective, right? To to basically be able to be a protector of women and children where she wasn't able to protect her own sister. So in the first book that you're reading, the Ninja Daughter, Lily tangles with the Los Angeles Ukrainian mob yeah. and a Mexican street gang and a really enigmatic assassin to save two women and an innocent child. In the second book, The Ninja's Blade, Lily goes undercover into the dangerous world of youth sex trafficking, while at the same time keeping her meddlesome grandparents, who are visiting from Hong Kong, from ruining her mother's 50th birthday bash. So Lily is always like diving deep into social issues in, in the thick of trouble and danger, but she's also got family stuff she has to deal with yeah. she's not john wick she's not jack reacher where she can just be alone and you know seek revenge no she's you know she's got parents and, and a guy they're setting her up with because in both books her family and by family i mean really her mother and grandparents are conspiring to set her up with this guy daniel kwok who is the perfect chinese son and so he happens to be in Hong Kong during the third book in the series, which is The Ninja Betrayed. So this is my newest book. And in this book, things get very personal for Lily in Hong Kong, where she investigates her grandfather's business to save her mother from corporate attack. And this is when the city is in turmoil at the height of the 2019 pro-democracy struggle. Um, Lily is juggling all kinds of family tension, escalating romance with Daniel, which is even more terrifying than dealing with, you know, the Ukrainian mobs, as far as Lily's concerned. Shady finances, duplicitous friends, family business, murderous triads, and this wayward daughter of her grandfather's driver, who is getting pulled into the riots. So, you know, high emotion, love, intrigue, danger, and all of this against a stunning backdrop of Hong Kong and a ridiculous amount of mouthwatering food. So that's that's basically my series right there. And you can dive in at any book um, or you can read them in order because um, I've written them so that you can you can start here and go back and catch up or you can start at the beginning and move forward or whatever. Yeah. Like from everything that you said, I'm getting like a movie right in my head because you know I'm very visual. It's like, okay, so are you seeing this is going to become a movie like in the future? I mean, if you actually gave this to like a Hollywood producer and they looked at it and they say they want to make a movie out of this, so would that be something that you consider? Well, we we are trying. We are trying to sell it as a television series. Actually, it's very, it's very. set up for that, you know, because it's got an incredible cast of characters, you know, with a television series, that's really what you want. You want characters you can fall in love with, that you want to hang with, and that you can have adventures with season after season, and and hopefully, you know, this is that. Uh, A lot of colorful characters, it's a very diverse cast of characters. Lily works, so like I said, she lives above her North Dakota Norwegian Chinese father's Chinese restaurant, right? And he has people working for him. He's got DeAndre, who is this uh, uh, black Latino, you know, teenager who wants to be a restaurateur. He's quite a character. He's got all these people working, you know, in in the restaurant. And Lily, Lily works for a women's shelter that's run by this amazing woman from Compton and her New York Jew, former stockbroker husband. And, you know, and she's got, you know, 
Los Angeles is a great setting because it's one of the most diverse cities in the country. And so it's kind of a macrocosm of Lily's own multiculturalness. So, yeah, I think it would be really a neat um, television series. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It's, you know, it's, it's hard. You think it's hard to get a book published. It's hard to get a television series made. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're all hard. But, you know, whatever. You just get out there. You keep trying and see what happens. Yeah. I say if I probably have a competition with Cobra Kai because I know that's coming with season four at <laughs> like the end of the year. So definitely. Oh, a- man, I love Cobra Kai. Yeah. Oh, I was surprised. I was surprised. I wasn't sure if I was going to like it. You know, and I, I watched the first episode and I was like, mm, jury's out. The second episode, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Third episode, I was in. I was hook, line, sinker. I was in. Uh, I love that show. Super fun. Yeah, I'm pretty much hooked to the third season. I probably watched the third season more times than the other seasons because that's definitely impacted me a lot, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they've done a really great job of that. I, I really like how... Uh, I like the, the, the grayness, you know? It's not black and white. You know, there isn't one good person, one bad person. There, you know, it's, it's not like that. You're constantly going, you know, who's... I, I like books, stories, movies, television series where, where people are doing all sorts of things, good things, bad things, questioning themselves, evolving, you know, where, where you as the audience are, are, you know, rooting for them, and then you're kind of going, why am I rooting for you? Oh, yes, I know. Well, maybe not. You know, I like stuff like that because it, it reflects real life, and it makes me question myself, right? So I like reading books and watching entertainment that makes me question myself and expands my own perception of the world. So that's that's what I like. And in some ways, I think Cobra Kai does a very good job of that. Yeah, I already met three cast members from um, the Cobra Kai series. Um, Daniel LaRusso, um, uh, William Zapka played um, Giant Lords, and of course, uh, Martin Kovu played um, Kreese. Yeah, so they're pretty nice guys, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, it's a great thing. I always um, bring my picture of, uh, I took with Mr. Uh, Chuck Norris with them, so, of course, they know that I'm a dedicated martial artist. So, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's funny. You never know when these things are going to come in handy. Like, I remember um, just, I mean, martial arts, when it's going to come in handy. Uh, I remember just on a fluke, this was back when, um, I guess, uh, I had been doing martial arts for a while, but I had stepped out of television and film. I had stepped out of performing, or so I thought. But every now and again, I'd get a call from somebody offering me a job. And a friend of mine said, hey, they're doing a movie called Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. And they need uh, a woman to do the motion capture for the lead because they keep hiring people and firing her because they're she's, you know, they're not finding the right person. So they flew me out to Los Angeles for an interview. And during that interview, I had never done motion capture, but I had done a lot of um, dubbing, audio dubbing, voice, you know, voice replacement and stuff. And so I told him, I said, you know, I, I see why you're having a problem. Um, you, you have all the voice actors have already laid down the tracks for this. So what you need is somebody who can dub physically dub you know what's already there and it was interesting to to do that gig and and in addition to um doing the motion capture for the lead i did the motion capture for the for the second woman you know the uh the second in line and she was like this badass military girl military woman and there was this one scene where she's on a train she has to do like this spinning back kick into this guy and all this kind of stuff and and I was like, oh, cool, martial arts, throw it in. <laughs> you know, you never know when these things are going to come in handy. It's just it's so fun. Yeah, definitely. I don't think I've seen the movie um, um, Final Fantasy. I know I, I know the video game because I'm a gamer, so, I mean. Oh, yeah, well, it's nothing like the game, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was kind of a bizarre movie, but it was groundbreaking when it came to using motion capture uh, to to capture actual performances you know not just movements in a game uh i would say about i think it was 
96-98% of the animation captured in that movie was captured through motion capture. So awesome. it, it was quite groundbreaking. And this was before Polar Express and you yeah. know, um, Lord of the Rings and, and all that kind of stuff. So in that sense, it was, it was very cool. In other senses, I don't know. It, some people like the movie. Some people are like, mm. <laughs> So what was your inspiration to write the, um, the, your book series? Do you um, read other books, say like Harry Potter? I mean, I don't know if you're a fan of Harry Potter. Oh, I dig Harry Potter. Oh. Totally dig Harry Potter. Um, no, that it, that it didn't come across that way. I was actually writing uh, another book. Um, I was working on a very early version of Dance Among the Flames, which is coming out in May. And Dance Among the Flames is a very different book. It is um, it's about an extraordinary woman who rises from the slums of Brazil to become this powerful wielder of Quimbanda magic. Uh, on this ultimate quest for revenge. I mean, there are demons and gods and, you know, Brazilian spiritualism and, you know, racism and bigotry and vengeance and, oh my God, you know, so imaginative, right? So, and and in many ways, uh, horrifying. So it's kind of dark fiction, uh, fantasy set and grounded in actual Brazilian, you know, uh, culture and, and places, uh, but also kind of horror, right? Um, and I was working on that. I was working on that, and um, and I got uh, an opportunity to write a short story. And I had this idea for the scene, and I just started writing stream of consciousness this short story. And, and Lily Wong appeared on the page because it, it was a bar scene. Uh, I, have you read this in the Ninja Daughter, the bar scene where she goes trolling for her sister's killer? You know the one I'm talking about? It's a yeah. very intense scene. Anyway, uh, it's kind of the pivotal moment of when Lily uh, mm, really becomes ninja, you know, on a quest, right? Um, to avenge and protect. And so I wrote this scene in a short story. And as soon as I did, I knew that I had written a scene in a novel and that that novel would be the first of a series that that ideally would be the first of the series. So that's how I came up with, um, you know, that thing. But even then I didn't start writing the novel. Um, I finished, um, you know, that Brazilian one. I started writing a book in, in Bali. I, I had a bunch of short stories published and it wasn't until my agent at the time said, stop what you're doing and write the ninja book that, that I stopped and wrote the ninja daughter. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, it's funny how things come out. You know, you don't necessarily set out to write something, but once I did, once I, I had that idea, I knew I wanted to, like I said, you know, show an authentic representation of modern day ninja. And I wanted to share my Chinese and, you know, Midwest Norwegian heritage, um, you know, and Los Angeles in a way that people don't normally see the city. And so that's that's what I wanted to accomplish with that. Hey, so do you still train in martial arts? I mean, just... Uh... Uh, no, no, I don't. It's interesting. Remember uh, a, a while back when we started this conversation, I said yeah. I'm very immersive, right? I'm 100% in. So when I uh, went back to fiction writing, because I started fiction writing when, when I had only just started martial arts, and after writing a bunch of screenplays and a novel, I set it aside because I wanted to focus on raising my boys and diving into the martial arts. That's what I wanted to do. And I did it 100%. And so like 13 years later, I wanted to write again. So when that happened, I was, um, I think it was about six months before my 50th birthday. And I'm 60 now. And I, I started writing and I, and I pulled out that book out of the closet and I went, this is what I'm going to work on. And I'm going to commit myself to a career in the second half century of my life as a fiction writer, as a novelist, and I made that commitment to myself. So I timed everything in my life to switch because I was traveling around the country. I was teaching seminars. I was teaching at a dojo at home. I was, you know, I was doing all this stuff, plus all the training that I had to do because I don't know about you, but um, at a level of fifth degree, 
um, there is, especially in the niche arts, there's so much to learn. Remember I said there are nine lineages of information, of knowledge, and, and you can't be expected to know everything. But at that level, I felt a responsibility to, if not have the answers, be able to find the answers, and if not be able to find the answers, be able to direct people to the answers. And that required um, hours and hours and hours of training every week just to keep career as an author at the same time. So I timed it. My 50th birthday, I stopped training, I stopped teaching and dedicated all of my time, my efforts, my resources, money, instead of traveling to conferences where I was being paid to teach or or paying to learn. Now I was traveling to writers conferences and you know all these sorts of things. And, uh, and so that's what I've been doing the last 10 years. But that said, I still train with, uh, with my trusty bow every time I go for a hike out in the mountains. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's important. You got you to gotta keep something going. You got to keep it, you know, keep it in the body. Yeah, so that martial arts lives in you no matter what, pretty much. Absolutely. Well, you know, and the other thing is so many of the strategies that I use to fight – um, the way they have been taught to me integrates into emotional situations. So I use I use ninja strategies, fighting strategies, to calm emotions, to create harmony, to diffuse uh, you know situations in all manner of non-combatant situations at at home in in the world online uh, in writers. <laughs> conferences it's amazing i i use it constantly you know and then something else that i do every morning that i've done since i was 12 is i meditate and meditation was a a major component of my ninja training as well and so um that's something that i i will always um continue yeah so if you were to continue what different style would you pick other than ninja and um tank sudo i mean any kind of type of style just continue. I would continue with the ninja arts because, uh, as I said, it, it's, it is all encompassing and it it ages well. But not just that. When you hit a certain uh, level, I remember when I when I earned my fifth degree, what what we were given was an assignment to go outside of our art to learn more and bring back what was pertinent. And at that time, where I went was wushu. And I went and did and learned. Uh, I, it was it was really amazing. It was I gotta say it's amazing because um, it's hard to find a a sifu, you know, a, a kung fu or a wushu teacher who is willing to just teach you an aspect of their art. You know, mostly they want you to start from the scratch. You know, and this teacher was like. You know, he recognized, you know, a, a kindred spirit. And, and I said, look, um, spear and bow, they're my thing. And I would really like to learn how you use it. And so I was able to, to spend a year, whatever, something like that, just, just focused on that. And and there are many things that, that I learned during that time. Spear and bow uh, in the ninja way. And so that was something very cool. And so because part of our art is about being adaptive and about pulling in things that that are useful and integrate them, there really isn't uh, a reason per se to try another, you know, start with another art. It's more drawing, drawing from things. So you know, I actually had thought I would be one of those 85-year-old women who was still, you know, training and teaching. Yeah. Um, I didn't expect that I would, um, you know, start a career as a novelist. I, I really didn't. It, it surprised me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when I'm when you talk about your son being in martial arts, you know, of course, I don't have any children, but I, ha I have my older niece. Of course, she's um, 14. She did the cry for a while. I mean, I actually had the opportunity to actually go over to Canada where she lived um, to actually watch her do class. And that was like, that made me at least almost like a proud uncle that I, yeah, I see my niece actually Absolutely doing. Absolutely like a proud uncle. Hey, by the way, when you're done with the Ninja Daughter, you guys send it to her. 
Oh, yeah. seven. Yeah, yeah. As long as long as you think the um, the the level of violence and the the severity of some of the issues is okay for her. I have a a fan who's a um, she's a Asian Canadian and she is thirteen. And she she resonated so much with the Ninja Daughter. She did a video book report for her school on it. She made a little movie with puppets. It was adorable. Uh, you know, so when when parents are always asking me, you know, is this okay for for teenagers? I I say, well, if it were my teenager, yes. But you need to read and and decide about your teenager. But a fourteen year old yeah. who's already in karate. Um, I'm thinking maybe that might be she might dig it you know it's very empowering yeah I mean I'm surprised by how many men I have who, who totally dig the, the Lily Wong adventures that pleases me no end yeah. that makes me very very happy yeah, you know, I try, I try to leave a lot of blogs, at least, of course, I'm reading this, you know, I might have to do a podcast episode on this once I'm finished reading the book, you know, kind of analyze what oh, I read. that'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we pretty much reached into the end of our um, interview, but I got like last few questions. I kind of called this, if you only knew, I kind of got this idea from oh, um, Larry King, because he did an interview with Mr. T, and he asked me like series of questions, so... I want you to answer this like in the best of your ability. All right. So the first, okay. the first question would be the best piece of advice that you ever gotten. Uh, focus on the process, not the result. All right. Who said it? Me. <laughs> you know what? I, I got to say though, sometimes we are our own best teacher. If we listen to our higher power, our higher voice, right? And my higher voice screamed that one at me, and boy, oh boy, was I glad I listened. <laughs> it turned my life around. Because up until that point, I was all about the result. And I didn't enjoy the journey. Now, I am determined to enjoy the journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, next question. Um, the worst piece of advice you got? Yeah. Huh. I don't know. The worst piece of advice I got. <laughs> no, some people get the worst advice some people don't so it's always good that nobody gets the worst advice it's always the good advice that gets you by yeah you know why i think sometimes when i when i get advice that doesn't resonate with me i just go okay and i let it go and so i i don't i don't take it uh so much and so i think that's probably why it doesn't stick with me you know, if, if I got a piece of advice and followed it because I thought it was good advice and it led me down a bad a track I wish I hadn't have gone, then I think I would have laid that responsibility on myself. And so I don't think I would have thought of it and remembered it as bad advice. You know, it would have just been, oh, that was something I shouldn't have done. <laughs> yeah. All right. So next question. <laughs> um how would you reward yourself? I kind of call this the guilty pleasure. I mean, usually, what do you do to reward yourself? Oh, well, magic wand, magic wand time, or something I could I could actually be able to do today. Well, usually, if like if people are like um like say they have on a healthy diet, they say they'll sneak a chocolate cake or have like a pizza pizza, like okay. kind of like that oh, guilty pleasure. So you're talking about something with reach okay yeah. in that case um i probably um zip down to chinatown for uh you know for for all the things that i really love like the fried sesame balls stuffed with sweet red bean paste and yeah. you know mochi and you know all that kind of stuff if i had a magic wand i'd get in a plane and go to shanghai so i could meet my granddaughter for the first time and nibble on her adorable little toes so there, there you go two yeah. extremes yeah. both involving food and nibbling i don't know what does that say about me mm. yeah well <laughs> i tell you something about chinese food that definitely clears your sciences definitely you know yeah if, if definitely i had like a bad cold and it's like i that kind of cleared up my, my sciences you know really <laughs> oh you must be talking about szechuan food <laughs> not cantonese szechuan they, uh, they got some spices with them yeah that's probably get you all right so yeah, yeah. What famous movie would you want to be in? Like any type of movie. 
that I personally would want to be in? You mean resurrect my acting career? Oh, geez, like, I'm not sure like, I really want to yeah. do that. See myself on a 78-foot screen? Oh, Lord. Um, but uh, I guess I'd want to be in an action film, you know? I mean, what the heck? I'd want a great stunt double. <laughs> yeah. But sure, I mean, that that would be kind of fun. So, you know, how about a Marvel movie? Let's just go for it, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, be someone like, who hasn't been hasn't been invented yet. I'll be her. <laughs> yeah, be like the next Stan Lee. <laughs> make every appearance, make a cameo. <laughs> well, that would be easier, right? I could just make an appearance. Have the Lily Wong series go for television. I could just make a little appearance in there, you know, popping into the Chinese restaurant or you know whatever. That would be a lot easier. But it would be more fun to star in a Marvel movie, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking either like Spider Man or Thor. Pretty much for me. Thor! Oh my gosh! You know, I'm named. Uh, I I was almost named Thor. Oh. <laughs> if I had been a guy, I would have been named Thor. I was named from my uh, Norwegian godfather. His name was um, Torleif, and so I would have been named Thor. But instead, I ended up with Tori. So I have a a, a special place in my heart for Thor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because um, he's got an awesome hammer. Oh oh, yeah! Come on, that hammer, man, it rocks. Yeah, he's the only person that could pick it up. (laughs) Well, there is that. But wouldn't it be fun to be the only person who could pick that up? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) get struck by lightning, (laughs) and I have it in my hand. (laughs) I know, right? Hilarious. Uh, All right, secret talent. Some, I mean, a lot of people know your talent already, but what's the one talent that people don't know about? Um, you know when kids were little i was a wicked crocheter <laughs> i was crocheting everything when i was when i was pregnant i was crocheting blankets and and sweaters and all this and you know all this kind of stuff and you know knowing me as most people do i, I don't think they'd ever think about me you know with a crochet hook or a knitting needle but yeah and unless i was using it as a weapon but yeah i used to be real good at that <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I don't know how to knit. I, I usually have my mom sew my patches on because she knows how to do it very well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All those patches. Oh, my gosh. I remember that. I used to have a denim jacket, and I used to sew all my martial arts pack, uh, patches on the sleeve. It was cool. Yeah. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, dream celebrity encounter. Dream celebrity encounter? Oh, you know, it's so interesting because I, I, I'm... I've been privileged to meet so many, like uh, my husband produced the Equalizer movies with Denzel Washington. So that was a blast, you know, uh, meeting him. That was, that was real fun. Uh, and I, you know, I've been able, when I was on the love boat, I was a series regular on that and we had a revolving door of celebrities. And so that, you know, that was also pretty, pretty crazy. But, uh, these days, Hmm. Uh, there's, there's so many, there's so many interesting people out there. It might be interesting to, to talk with some, uh, some directors, you know, I'd sit down with Steven Spielberg, oh, you know, yeah. or, or it might be a real interesting conversation, you know, just kind of see, see what that was about. Pick their brain. Yeah, definitely. Steven Spielberg or George Lucas. I mean, oh, yeah. 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 That'd be neat. Hey, okay. Final question. Your future plans in 10 years from now? Oh, well, you know, I think I'm still going to be writing. Um, when I when I committed to this, it was uh, as a career for the second half century of my life. Um, I fully plan to be in a third. And so I don't know what I'll be doing then. But so I'm, I'm kind of looking at this as the long haul. So 10 years from now, I think I'm still going to be writing books. I'll probably have a much bigger stack of books on my bookshelf, you know, that I've already written. And, and hopefully I'm doing that and, you know, really expanding with my creativity and, and expanding into new genre and new ideas and perhaps even have one of my stories, uh, you know, made into a movie or a television series that would be super cool yeah so would you be seeing a spinoff of the ninja daughters like in the future well you know i i don't i don't know about a a spinoff but you know the the ninja daughter ninja's blade the ninja betrayed you know there's a lot of material there for an ongoing series that could that could go on for for however long but i suppose if i was going to have a spinoff the character that I would do a spinoff on would be Jay Tran. 
from from the ninja daughter because oh. <laughs> uh, he's pretty awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, it's tough. Okay, so before we um, close out this um, podcast, um, is there any last words would you like to tell our listeners out there? Oh gosh, what you to be to begin with, TJ? This has just been so much fun. I, I love talking martial arts. I love going down memory lane. You know, it's hard to find somebody who who you can really you know geek out with about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, remember that time I got kicked in the sternum, and you know, you start laughing and, and you get it right. So. First up, thank you for having me. This has been a blast. Uh, second, I hope I love to connect with people, so I hope people will look me up. Tori Eldridge, T O R I, um, ToriEldridge.com. You can learn about me. Um, on my website, you'll even find videos of me in Ninja Action. You can see some of the stuff I've been talking about, the books. And then you can find me on social media. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, writer.tory. And I really like engaging with with people and with readers. So I just hope people will look me up, find me, and uh, check out the Lily Wong series. Check out The Ninja Daughter, The Ninja's Blade, The Ninja Betrayed. Uh, I think you'll dig it. Yeah, like just talking to you, just give me like an idea. I kind of would want to do my own book one day. I like quite like to call it the Kickpod Dojo. It's like <laughs> life, nice. life based on podcasting, and just use it just to bring the world together. <laughs> I I once wrote a a short story about a thriller that happens in a in a radio station. I, in fact, I give away that short story when people sign up for my newsletter. So if you go to toryaldridge.com and you sign up for the monthly newsletter, you can get that that short thriller. But it it takes place in a radio station, you know, with <laughs> you know with a uh, you know this uh, talk radio person and this guy's out together and yeah, it's it was fun. So yeah, kick pod. Dojo, do it. Yeah. <laughs> be fun. Uh, so thank you very much, Tori, for joining me. So I'm going to do my little closing for my um, podcast. And so hopefully the future holds well for you. Uh, so probably you'll see me in the future sooner or later. I mean, you might be seeing awesome. me in Hollywood. If I definitely ever. <laughs> yeah. I. All right. So for those who are just tuning into my podcast, um, make sure you tune into my previous episodes on the BICBPRadio.com, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another episode here at the Kickpot Dojo. This is your sensei, TJ Williams, bowing you out.